Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We've got our full panel here, which means Jorna Taylor, nonprofit consultant is here. Jorna, how are you doing? I'm great, Matt. It's good to have you. It's a great good day. Good to be here. Thanks ex- so much. It's an exciting yeah. day here in Wisconsin. Robert Craig is also with us. Robert's the Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Uh, good morning, everyone, and we're taping uh, at the day that uh, the President of the United States is gracing uh, little old Milwaukee with yes, a, a visit. Yes, we are. Well, it is an exciting day, and so yes, obviously it's a very exciting day. I was uh, driving into work this morning, and Milwaukee Public Radio had a story uh, to, to spread the good news. So, hey, Brian, if you could, let's play a little clip of that. President Obama will visit Milwaukee Thursday. He's coming to celebrate the city's victory in the Healthy Communities Challenge. Yet, according to Craig, more than 50,000 remain uninsured in the Milwaukee area. Thursday's celebration is for those who have connected. Oh, my God, Robert, what happened to the celebration? Come on, jeez, I almost went off the road this morning. Please, what what are you doing? The president's in town? Come on, let our listeners know why. What's, what's, what's going on underneath the story here? Come on. Matt, I'm sorry if I'm not living up to your cheerleader expectations. <laughs> I should have called Matt for that. And, no, but, actually, but Robert. By I, the way, I said a lot of positive things, yes. but the reporter who's a good reporter, Marty Michelson, was calling me for the other side of the story, which oh, was uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, I mean, they could have chosen, you know, the, the right wing radio part where we're, we're all oppressed by the socialist government takeover, but instead that there's still work to be done. And so obviously, there are 89,000 people now in the Milwaukee area, over 200,000 in Wisconsin generally, who have health care now because of the Affordable Care Act and who would lose it if it was repealed on day one, as is being proposed by all the loud voices in a certain political party that are running for president. And so we just need to think about that. This is, there, there are, this is, what, this is a place, the marketplace is, for people who don't get good health insurance at work, people with pre-existing conditions, uh, people who are self-employed, people who are between jobs, people who are taking time off to write a book, take care of a sick relative, all the things people do in their lives, right? And so they lose their health insurance if the weird ideological crusade of the right uh, succeeds. And this president makes this presidential election extremely important. And I think it's important for President Obama to be pointing out just what's been accomplished. And it says how many people need this and how you will not have a, a society where everyone has somewhere to go get health care no matter what unless you decide to do that as a matter of public policy. And so, we've done that. It's a great step forward. So, Robert, obviously we kid with you. Uh, actually, the reason I wanted to play the story, it's an excellent story because it it is a celebration and we're thrilled that the uh, president is here. But Marty deserves credit, Marty Michelson, who did the story, to actually the full story. There's always... You know, there's always a little bit behind there. And the fact that we did not accept the Badger Care money has meant that there are more folks who need to get this exchange. And as the story points out, right, and other stories this week about Wisconsin continuing not to accept the Badger Care money is costing the state a lot of money. So it is part of the broader story. So it's actually a good story, but we thought we'd have a little fun with you this morning, Jorna. Well, and since, you know, Robert's Debbie Downer, um, <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, positive Pollyanna oh, here. Oh, wow, this is <laughs> shocking, this, I know. do. Instead of sarcastic Sally, like I usually am. Uh, But I think that 
a lot a lot of credit needs to be given to Citizen Action and to Robert and to the entire staff here who has tirelessly beat the drum about expanding um, Obamacare and is is in large part responsible in in super large part responsible for the president coming to visit today and. I think it also should be noted that you will continue to be the critics to ensure that these tens of thousands of Wisconsinites, hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites don't lose their health care or that we continue to fight for universal coverage for everyone. You know, so I guess thank you for all that you've done over, I don't know, over a decade at least now in fighting to make sure that we have access to health care. Well, Some access. Very nice of you to say, Jorna. We know that you're not that you're not someone who praises uh, unnecessarily. <laughs> but uh, wow, no, no. Well, you, know, you get some today, people who always praise no matter what. But and we've you know really been the most the, the loudest voice in favor of healthcare mm-hmm. reform. I do want to give credit, and we did do we do some encouragement enrollment. We did fifty one thousand calls about enrollment, but there's a whole group of nonprofits Absolutely. that were heavily involved and just tirelessly signed people up. And then our leaders in the Milwaukee area, both at the city and the county level, used all of their capacity, That's you right. know, because they interact. Uh, city and county government do with lots and lots of people, and they used every mechanism possible to make sure people knew about this. And then we had people tirelessly working on enrollment. We were able to do a Latino outreach program for the first time with our new organizer, Lou Sosa, but it was really a team effort for enrollment. But we also need people to understand what this means as well, and that that's where we've where citizen action is led, and this means that there are this many people who have nowhere else to go to get health care and now have it and therefore have a necessity in modern life that you can't get ahead without access to quality, affordable health care, and we need to protect this. And so, obviously, pointing out all the people that are taking advantage is really important, but we need to understand that our magical free market economy, the, the one the right believes in, and I believe in a market economy, not just the one they believe in, right, leaves a lot of people out when it comes to health care and more and more people out, and this makes sure everyone has somewhere to go, and we need to bear that in mind. So uh, we want to thank everyone who's involved in, and again, Robert pointed out, tons of people. And again, that excellent uh, radio story that we uh, led off with, we'll have a link to it. Also does a good job of pointing out what Robert said, that there are lots of people involved in signing up. So kudos to everyone. And uh, this is just the beginning. we got to continue to uh, expand access to health care to everyone. Um, Robert, you just referenced our next topic. You were talking about the amazing economy and the wonders of the market. Um, we have to talk uh, a little bit about the story that broke yesterday. Uh, again, we record Thursday morning about um, the WMC dissuading Walker's wonderful that is Wisconsin the Chamber Econ- of Commerce. Yes, I think Wisconsin most of our manufacturers and commerce. Yes, thank, thank you, Robert. Um, and then I'll use another acronym: WEDEC. Gosh, we never talk about WEDEC, the Wisconsin Economic Development That has higher name recognition yes, now. So, <laughs> so anyway, so, so basically this week we found out that uh, an official, in fact it would be the vice president of the WMC, Jim Morgan, uh, had encouraged the WEDC, WEDEC, to not contact the Kraft Heinz company. In fact, I got to tell you, you know, this the, it, it looks like according to again Open Records got this information that this was all done via email, but I got to tell you, uh Jorna, I'd really like to sort of read these emails as if they had occurred in a phone conversation because I got to tell you this is embarrassing that this is the way economic development policy is being and uh, so let's just a, li- a little play <laughs> yes, here Jorna, if do you do don't that. mind. Yes. I'm going to play Wade 
Godsell in Wade works at uh, Weedek. He's a, he's the individual who reached out to Reed Hall. He's Apparently, he's from Norta Eight in we're, Weedek. We're going to do Fargo. Former CEO. I believe I believe we should play this as Fargo because it is such a ridiculous <laughs> comedy of errors. But because this is how economic development policy is being determined by the great leaders of our state. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah, hey, Reed, I met with Jim Morgan yesterday for a little more perspective there on that, you know, the Kraft-Heinz situation. Yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, and he provided some good background information, but he doesn't see the need for us to engage Kraft at this time. Uh, that's it, just an FYI on that one there, Reed. Oh, yeah, you know, I like macaroni and cheese, too, oh, yeah? Oh, sure, okay, it's I guess good. we, we yeah, won't Yeah, okay, well, good work there, good we work there, Wade. We won't bother to reach out to them. Yeah. So, really, seriously, uh, all, all jokes aside, this is absolutely nuts, and it's led to a blizzard of uh, responses from both WEDAC and the WMC to try to explain their brilliance. Uh, Jorna. I, I, I know, Matt. I mean, read Jorna. <laughs> I know, Matt, that you are um, of the camp that thinks that this is just gross incompetence, but... I have got to think that there is something else going on here. How I mean, dare you? WMC is not stupid. So <laughs> I I am trying to suspend my disbelief that this was just some sort of, you know, <laughs> misstep or mix up here. And that at some point we're going to get the real story of why they would tell the state's Economic Development Corporation not to reach out to a business that, you know, they they had to have known was looking to move. So there's something something is rotten in the state of Wisconsin. The cheese don't smell good, Robert. It's hard to know where to respond to this. So <laughs> it's it, been quite our, that was quite a setup. Great play acting. <laughs> If you were to have the right wing perspective, speaking to whatever right wing kind of um, lurkers we have that, that <laughs> listen to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast, my question would be. If the free market is also wonderful and everything, why do you need these jokers? Okay, why are we paying them tax money? I, I hope a lot of businesses are asking that about the WMC today. And 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 WEDEC. Uh, but I think uh, Jordan is right. WMC is not stupid. And what's interesting, if you look at our state's economic development policy, both WEDEC, both the Manufacturing Agriculture Tax Credit, which is a half-billion-dollar hit to the state's next state budget, and you look at uh, you look at WMC is, is that they support outsourcing. And so ideologically, they think outsourcing makes companies more competitive. And so this is an example where they're not all bent out of shape about the fact that uh, these jobs in Madison might be outsourced, right? Ah, uh, you know, there's nothing we can do. Now, if you want to be even more sinister, we could point out that this was a, uh, this is a group of workers that were in a strong union local from UFCW. And so we're exonating these unionists, well, I mean, i.e. family-supporting jobs, uh, so they can be replaced by the Walmart jobs that, uh, that are being doled out here in Walker's, Wisconsin. Uh, so there's something, there's, there's, both, there's kind of a nice mix of incompetence at WEDEX level, right? Because WEDEX clearly, you know, they could do this kind of policy without being as grossly incompetent as they are, okay? But then WMC not being bent out of shape. Now, if this was something like, um, I don't know. We're going to ask uh, the the wealthy to start to pay for uh, the infrastructure we need in the state and education. Then, of course, the fire alarms would have gone off in WMC, right? But not uh, not when we have all these workers' jobs on the line. Well, Robert, I'll go back to our little skit. Uh, actually, 
I, what you say makes perfect sense in, in many ways, but like you got to love the WMC's sort of response here. It's, it's along the lines of, oh, what are you talking about? We were talking about the Beaver Dam plant. I wasn't even talking about uh, Madison. Those guys should have called them. And then WEDEC people saying, oh, we don't take direction from WMC. Oh, We're no. completely independent. We well, don't, the, Robert, right. that's Reed Hall's yeah. point to say, oh, Wade doesn't tell us what to do. What are you talking about? I actually think it's a little <laughs> bit more Caddyshack-esque, you know. <laughs> oh, well, we, we just no. didn't have Look, to talk now, to them. As far as you know, how busy they are. We've heard a lot about that over this, right? Uh, so this, that's what if you go, if you get, because I get Google alerts for WEDEC. The amount of, of ridiculous, <laughs> mundane, ribbon-cutting, oh, yeah. or claims of job creation stuff they are doing throughout the state that have nothing to do with anything is overwhelming. But they can't really, don't really have time to meet with, uh, with Kraft Foods about a huge number of, of good, funny-supporting jobs. I, I think we should do an entire podcast on everything that Robert has a Google alert set to. <laughs> yeah, well... We, we don't Jordan's have time horses. today. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Actually, <That's Matt. laughs> I want to make a, a slight transition here and uh, talk about, Robert, you mentioned outsourcing and, and basically um, uh, trade and talk about uh, Russ Feingold. A uh, big issue around trade uh, sparked up this week. Russ really went after uh, Senator Ron Johnson for his lack of taking a position on the current trade deal that sits before us. And... Um, and uh, we actually think this is a great issue for him to be talking about, uh, Robert. I know uh, you were mentioning outsourcing, but essentially, right, when you have trade deals like this, it, it enables and it makes it much more likely that companies are going to outsource jobs with deals like this. Well, we've had a huge number of jobs outsourced in Wisconsin, and it's ongoing. There are new, uh, new reports on a weekly basis of uh, companies that have outsourced jobs, and it's the tip of the iceberg because the only ones that really get reported are where the workers can prove that they were outsourced to a foreign country and therefore are eligible for trade adjustment assistance from the federal government, uh, which is a smaller subset of the people actually impacted. Uh, but this it works at multiple levels. There are the trade deals we have been negotiating and are continuing to negotiate the national level. And then there's our state economic development policy, which they refuse, ultimately, even though they, cl they claim that they were going to do it in 2014, to close the loophole that allows companies to essentially outsource more jobs and we're paying them to create. And this has happened repeatedly, and there is a growing list of companies that have done this. And Reed Hall, the same Reed Hall we just had on a little play acting, right? <laughs> Reed Hall says outsourcing oh, sure. is absolutely essential to competitiveness. So essential to who and for what? And what that points out is, is that they're more interested in the profits of CEOs than they are in workers, because that's, uh, only in that world uh, is this a good idea or a good thing, and we're actually enabling it. And so what's interesting, the reason you know this is like a third rail issue, and we, this is an action plan to make this the dominant economic issue in this election, is that Ron Johnson, who has never expressed any skepticism about these trade agreements, ever, right? All of a sudden is undecided. I don't know. On TPP, and is going to reach out to people who would be affected. I'm sure there'll be nice public. <laughs> yes. Do you think maybe we could give them a list of about 3,500 workers that have been outsourced by this year, from the middle of last year to this year? Do you think uh, Senator Johnson will meet with them to discuss about what his position should be on TPP? Well, <laughs> so I had the, um, I don't want to say the pleasure, but I had the opportunity to sit with Ron Johnson about a month ago when a friend was um, taping on the Devil's Advocates. And let me be very clear that um, the good senator was not interested at all 
in what I had to say and completely ignored me through the entire conversation. I do not believe this. Which did actually keep me from punching him in the face. However. Yeah, there we go. Join us um, back. More, more he, he importantly should know here, better than to offend you. Oh, God. You know. But more importantly here, I, Ron Johnson apparently has failed to get the memo from Wisconsin state Republicans that you don't actually need to read bills to either um, debate them or pass them into law with, you know, usually about 24 hours notice or, or so. Um, He's still so- reading the... He's still reading it right we, now. Well, they, you know, they let you go into a room without staff. So maybe Jordan is onto something. Maybe that's the I problem. Mean... He's a slow reader. He doesn't have any assistance. <laughs> Actually, Robert, you you point up a no. Uh, that's that's a very good funny. But uh, I don't know if folks know this. They're not. They have to go in, as Robert said, in order to go read the deal by themselves, right? And they can't take the documents out, right? Can't take so, notes. yeah, this is awfully democratic. Well, maybe just they to get give one you, three by five card. Yeah, the way these something. the way these deals are put together. He's got a secret camera phone. A- anyways, we're look. We're going to continue uh, to to as Robert mentioned to talk about outsourcing. We have a petition on there. Uh, if you sign it, we're gonna uh, there's opportunities for you to get involved in this campaign as it develops over the year. So we encourage you to go online and sign our petition. Get involved in our campaign on outsourcing that will grow. Uh, Robert mentioned uh, election, but even beyond and and having it be an issue that we really push over the next couple of years and use it as a way to really talk about what kind of economy we ought to be having. Just one little quick thing on the TPP, because we don't want to go down the Tea Party route that uh, you have to read the whole thing, like the Affordable Care Act, like they've all read it and understood it. Affordable Care Act reads like, amend subsection 3242 of H.R. 5832. Because you have read it. And insert and. I mean, that's what we're talking about, reading the Affordable Care Act. So on the TPP, you don't need to read it. All you need to know is who negotiated it. The multinational corporations, the pharmaceutical industry, all had a basically a seat at the table, were involved in, in the actual drafting of provisions, workers, consumers, all of them, nada. That's all you really need to know. And all you really need to know is that it allows corporations to have a, a, a process that allows them to override any national law that they think gets in the way of their business, including environmental laws, okay? Extra sovereign over, uh, basically unconstitutional if you think about it. So we're, we're actually going to try to get uh, uh, Russ Feingold on the podcast. Uh, have him on. I know uh, we've reached out to them. He wants to talk more about this issue. And, of course, um, it's a very important election, and we'll be talking more about it as we go down the road. And with that, we are going to transition and talk a little bit about the presidential race, and particularly the presidential race as it is occurring in what remains of the Republican Party. And that is really the topic um, that I am throwing out for conversation with our two esteemed panelists over here. Um, Look, Super Tuesday was, was a big day, and it was a big day for Donald Trump. Um, and the complete ripping apart of the Republican Party. And there's been a lot of articles written. Uh, we'll put links to a couple of them on our um, podcast site um, where the establishment and, and within the Republican Party is the alarm bells are finally, finally really going off. And uh, it's two things. It's Super Tuesday and, of course, the comments over the weekend around the KKK, David Duke and race. Um, Paul Ryan, and and this will also connect to our Paul Ryan watch this week. Uh, Paul Ryan Ryan uh, is involved in this in terms of really sort of being, I would argue, he he stands for a lot of what's been going on. He spoke very toughly against uh, 
uh, Trump's comments this week about race, but then refused to separate himself and continue to assert that he would support the guy, right? Like if he were the Republican nominee over Hillary Clinton. So they've got real problems here, and there's no one really there to stand up and fight. Jorna, what are your thoughts? Uh, you, you're, you're, you're obviously someone who tracks a lot of this stuff, tracks party politics in a way and understands how parties operate and function at the national level. I, I'm really curious I, I, for your thoughts. I mean, this, this is... is fascinating to watch it's absolutely fascinating i would like to refer to um the evening of super tuesday as the night chris christie's soul died Oof. for uh, anyone who watched the really bizarro donald trump victory speech <laughs> turn press conference slash word vomit where if chris christie could just blink twice we'd know he, that he was being <laughs> held hostage i was thinking more <laughs> more along the lines of ed mcmahon Oh my God! Sidekick to Johnny Carson. Okay, <laughs> okay, we're okay, we're done now joking about Donald. Back to the like the serious but, uh, right. GOP party uh, imploding. Uh, no, but but I think that that is you know you mm -hmm. see somebody like Chris Christie who was in this presidential race who a lot of people you know even a year ago thought that he would be at among the top tier because I don't know he seems actually rational. It was like he was dragged kicking and screaming to do this endorsement. And, and I think that there's a lot of Republicans that are just kind of like, oh, God, we are so screwed in so many ways that Donald Trump is going to be our nominee. Um, you know, they're standing on the sidelines watching this and they're not stepping up to do anything about it. And some of them are reluctantly swallowing this poisonous pill and. You know, praying that I don't know Hillary Clinton actually gets elected. In well, their look, view. Chris Christie was—you mentioned Chris Christie, great because he was sort of the first one. We were like, yeah. "Whoa, right!" Like governor, guy running for president yep. goes over. We've had a lot of conversation about how very few senators, uh, very few Republican leaders have endorsed any of the candidates. In particular, not getting behind Rubio or getting behind anyone but Trump. And so Christie was kind of like, "Oh, I'm actually jumping in for Trump," which is kind of like, "Holy shit!" Right? Uh -huh. Like he's already determining Trump's going to win this thing and I'm going to get in early, right? Which is where you start to talk about the implosion and then Trump cleans up on Super Tuesday in spite of the racist comments, uh, in spite of them being all over the media, as i.e. the Republican establishment, including Ryan, Tuesday morning, going after him. Um, and then we had, as you mentioned, that his speech where he goes after Ryan, he goes after everyone. Um, he, he says, quote, I'm going to get along great with Congress, Paul Ryan, I don't know him well, but I'm sure going. I'm sure I'm going to get along great with him. And if I don't, he's going to have to pay a big price. Uh, he doesn't know him well, but yet he can blame him for losing the 2012 presidential election on behalf of the Romney Ryan ticket. Paul, Paul Ryan, meet your new dictator, Good right? God. Holy smoke! So Robert, is is Trump on his way, or you know, is this is this still way too early? Way too early. I think the media is selling us a bill of goods on what the modern Republican Party really is yep. and that this is any real change. The problem with Trump, for the most part, is he's too frank. He doesn't live by the code. And maybe some of the people who are calling and crying that they don't know what to do, which is in a lot of the coverage, uh, didn't want to admit that, they're, that they are building power based on race and based on division because it was more deniable. Because if you say all the problems are those dependent people in the cities, that's better than saying outright we're going to take uh, illegals and, and, and move them by force out of the country, right? Which is uh, So it's a matter of the code. Now, so here's the thing. The modern Republican Party has appealed to, it started with Nixon, right? They used to call it the silent majority. 
then they call it the Reagan Democrats, disaffected blue-collar voters who vote on race, who vote on division, who are angry and want to blame someone beneath them for their problems rather than the people who actually run the economy and run our political institutions, and build, build up to a frenzy. And they did that with the Tea Party in order to build up to a frenzy in order to try to attack a very moderate, reasonable health care policy that simply uh, took a lot of mostly conservative ideas in order to guarantee everyone had somewhere to go to get health care no matter what. So if we go through the real differences with Trump, the only one that I can identify that might be a real difference is trade, where he literally does go after outsourcing and talking about sending our jobs overseas, which is very threatening to them because their game is to appeal to all the disaffected blue-collar voters who are being destroyed by trade while doing the trade deals. Right, And it's as we talked about Paul Ryan, the bait and switch is right. that we are serving the, the large interests, the banks, the Wall Street billionaires, the, establish, the economic establishment, the real elites in our society, while claiming to be populists and running around in blue jeans, right? Well, I'm as glad you like tied those together. I'm Lee Atwater used to do. They're very important. So it used to look like health care might be a difference because it, it looked like uh, Trump might actually be for, health, for Medicare for all. But now Trump is repealing Obamacare on the first day and has released a completely inane health care policy. So he's come around for now on that. Um, who pays for the wall seems to be the issue, not whether there's a wall. That doesn't seem like well, that big a difference. Well, now it's twice as high, don't forget. And well, we, I don't it. think Ryan supports yeah. a wall twice as high. And then how far we can go in vilifying Muslims, it's fine to keep saying it's Islamic extremists and attacking a world religion in all of our discourse, but it goes too far to just say that all Muslim, we should have a pause from any Muslims who are not citizens. That's uh, Trump's small compromise coming into the country. How is, those, how is this different from the vitriol on Fox News every day? And then, as I said before, it isn't any difference on race. It's a difference on how you code your racism. And I have no doubt that a large part of the establishment believes itself not to be racist. In fact, that's their main argument, that if you bring it up, they go, you're bringing race into the issue. We never had anything to say about race. Nothing we do have anything to do with race, right, where it's obviously the contrary. So... I don't think we should give space. The Republican establishment brought this on because they now can't control the monster they created. Speaking of monsters, though, that they have created, um, there is a <laughs> there is a monster coming down off of the mountain in Salt Lake City today that uh, is going to call Trump a phony and a fraud in a speech at the University of Utah today. Sounds like Mr. 47%. None other than Mr. 47% himself. Silk stockings, mid mittens, himself. Mittens. mittens is coming back. Don't call it a comeback. Um, you know, uh, there are some out there who believe that Mittens is being called to service because Paul Ryan won't really take him on in a take Trump on in a huge way that that mittens may be trotted out as as a deal for a brokered convention which oh dear god yes please they please will, let this play they out will, for they will tear him apart well Trump I just tear him apart now I we know the establishment can can embrace mittens right so the question is can the disaffected can the forgotten Americans the the invisible other Americans embrace him when they're in full revolt well, against the establishment and will treat him since he they need a candidate who doesn't seem like they're simply part of the establishment. So Mitt Romney is the absolute worst case for them. They need they're, they're, The usual thing they're able to do is to have a fake populist who's actually a creature of the establishment. And they've tried to build up Marco Rubio to do this. <laughs> uh, 
I, I like the uh, there's one uh, correspondent for Harper's, I think, who said that he is such a lightweight, they have to weigh him down on the stage to prevent him from floating away. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and so it's not worked. They've tried to they've tried to like uh, program the uh, Rubio bot to be the attack bot the last couple of weeks did not seem to help. Uh, so and by the way, you can't out Trump Trump. You, and I'm not saying Rubio is certainly much smarter than some of the people they put forward, Sarah Palin. But nonetheless. <laughs> That's not hard. <laughs> so I don't think they have any kind of person who has credibility across the great chasm that is their voters and the interests they actually represent and actually fight for in Washington. Well, you know, Kasich keeps hoping that it will be him. But as a friend of mine, when we were making predictions the other night said, Kasich's just holding back, hoping people, you know, think he's a moderate because he's not a 12 year old or a yeller. You know, the establishment doesn't like him either no. because he's his own dude, right? You see, Rubio's perfect. Rubio, you can make you make of Rubio whatever you want to make of Rubio. And, and he'll he repeat it three or four times. And then he'll do, he'll do what needs to get done so, if he's ever president. So I'm really, really glad the conversation of trade. I actually think that, and we're going to talk more about this issue going down, both with as it relates to Senator Feingold in the Senate race, but also as it relates to the presidential. And it, it to me, is the X factor, the dynamic that I think is difficult to capture in polling about Trump versus uh, the eventual Democratic nominee on this issue and how that plays out. I want to talk more about that on future podcasts. I think it's, one thing. it's we an are X poised, factor. And we're, Citizen Action Wisconsin, we're pushing this nationally in D.C. as well. We can win this election on outsourcing and trade, okay, because this election is going to be determined outside of Florida in the industrial Midwest and Pennsylvania, okay? There's a problem. If mm -hmm. Trump is the yeah. nominee, Trump is being populist on trade, and Hillary Clinton, if she's the nominee, just taking the two front runners right now, has switched positions. And so we are going to have – I'm not saying that we lose the trade issue to Trump. I'm saying this is a real it's a, it's problem. A, it's an issue. And you see a U.S. Senate race here where Feingold has defined this yep. on trade with Johnson. What happens if the top of the ticket is much murkier? So we're going to have to dig in. I don't think that uh, uh, Donald Trump as a billionaire, right – actually believes in doing anything to help workers. But yeah. we're going to have to, to, to be able to point that out effectively. Yeah, and I, I wanted to reference that. I'm glad it was surfaced in this conversation. We'll talk more about that more as we get further down, and uh, this gets more clarifying. So excellent conversation. Um, before we go, I do want to mention there was news this week um, in terms of elections this fall. Uh, Milwaukee-area Democratic state senator has announced that she will not be running for re-election. Um, and that is Nakia Harris-Dodd. And so that means there will be an open open Senate seat that will provide some sparks here in Milwaukee in terms of uh, getting folks out in our fall primary election. And, of course, uh, a Senate, uh, if um, we already have one announced candidate, uh, Latanya Johnson, uh, leads to possibly assembly races opening up. So a little bit of news uh, this week as it relates to the legislature. But with that, we are going to wrap up this podcast. Um, and let me, let's just thank Nakia Harris-Dodd. She was supported by progressives very strongly uh, because we've had a situation sometimes where the district has been represented by, by leaders, didn't have the heart of their districts and, and their constituencies at mind, and she's done a very good job. She's moving on because she actually wants to continue to, to raise a family. And also, I think, she doesn't say this, but I would say I'm sure it's very unpleasant sitting in Madison with no power 
and watching what's being done to her constituents. So we're hoping we get another representative as good and as, as, as sharing our values and the value of really creating a better Wisconsin, a better America that, that Senator Harris Dodd has represented in the state Senate. So, Robert, with that, why don't you just keep us rolling? What, you, what are you doing this weekend when you get out of your political bunker? I am flying to D.C., Matt. I don't know if that fits in for a uh, Flights are fun. conference, but I'm going early because I'm going to go visit podcast listener Aunt Eloise. Um, I guess there's a little bit of a furlough Thursday night in that my brother Ted, who is also a, listen, a li- podcast listener, except he turns off the furloughs, as Matt knows. Um, uh, he's holding a house party for our radioactive project, the project to attack uh, and dis- disrupt the right-wing media monopoly. And so go to our website for more information on that. We need everyone involved, but we'll have had that. But by the time you hear this, the house party will be over. But that's a little fun. There will be craft beer present. Ooh. Good times. Jorna, what are you doing? Uh, I am going to spend a lot of quality time with everybody's favorite horses. George and Rita. <laughs> you did that last week. I know. It's really all I do. Okay. Um, however, I have to spend extra quality time buying George's affection because I'm going to be gone for eight days. Mm. It's going to visit my parents in uh, southern Arizona where I will ride other horses. Please don't tell Southern Arizona. George. That sounds awesome this time of year. Um, this weekend, I'm going to be doing a little canvassing for uh, Chris Larson and and I want to encourage on Saturday at 10 a.m. out of the Peace Action uh, Center on it's uh, 1002 Keefe in River West. Uh, we'll be doing canvassing for uh, Chris Larson. 10 a.m. Meet me uh, if you want like to help out, but that's what I'll be doing. Otherwise, I got a ton of stuff to do around the house. I got some serious electrical problems going on that I'm going to try to endeavor into. Very exciting. I hope to be here next week. I'm not much of an electrician, so let's hope I don't kill myself. With that, we want to thank Brian Woolridge, who makes every podcast happen. And uh, we'll see y'all next week here in Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>